I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is a reasonable service. Every, every single person here should have a ministry or a service in which you serve the Lord. God, we, we, we search so often. I've had two now graduate from high school in our family, and there's a lot of talk of, so what are we going to do with our life? What are, what are we going to spend our life doing? What, what career are we going to have? And we look at, you know, what kind of lifestyle we can have with the career that we have, and so much emphasis is put on the human being of what you're going to be. You graduate from high school to plan to go to college or get into a trade. And so you say, I'm going to be a plumber or a carpenter or a mechanic or, or a farmer or, or whatever, whatever you're going to be, what, whatever you're going to spend your life doing. And so often we put our identity in something that we're going to do for a job or a living. And if it, doesn't, if it doesn't happen the way we think it was going to happen, or if, if we get laid off or things happen differently than planned, it wrecks our life. We get discouraged. If there's a downturn in the economy and things change, it, it just it affects us in such a negative way because we've put so much into what I'm going to do with my life. And I believe that that's an important decision to make, but I believe that sometimes, if not way too often, we put too much into that decision. We're teaching our young people to put so much into that decision when what we ought to be looking at is what am I going to do for Christ with my life? And then anything else that I do, is it fulfilling me working and serving the Lord Jesus Christ. Too many in churches are heavily involved in their careers. They're heavily involved in an identity of what they've, they, they see themselves as because it's what they make a living doing. It's what they're known as in the community. Their, their parents are proud of the decision they make. Their, their families are proud of the decisions that they've made or the, the, the place that they've achieved. And too many are happy at working a secular job or a, having a title of something they've worked so hard to achieve, yet we sit unconcerned and apathetic when it comes to the work of the Lord. I believe this church, that we are living in the last days. Do you believe that? And I don't just say that to try to get, a, get a, an emotional response. I truly believe that we are living in the last days. I believe that it's going to be this generation that we're going to hear the trump of God sound and we are going to be raptured out of this earth. I believe that. If you see the events and you put the newspaper of today, um, newspaper, how many of you know what a newspaper is? If you take the website of today and you look at what the Bible has to say, things are lining up like they have never lined up before. Time is running out. And today I want to challenge our church to find the ministry, find that reasonable service that God has called you to. Yes, we have to work and make a living. 
Yes, we have to feed our families. Yes, we have to clothe ourselves. And yes, we have to get from place to place. And, and, and there's nothing wrong with any of those things. But if those things are what we live for, we're missing out on what God has called us to do. And maybe that is why so many Christians today are miserable. Maybe that's why so many Christians today are unhappy and lose the, lack the joy that they ha can have through Christ is because we're not doing that reasonable service, that reasonable ministry that God has called us to. What, what, is, what is our church all about? I would say this, and I hope you would agree that it's about preaching the gospel. It's about preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's not about us just getting a, 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 a group of followers together and becoming inclusive and just making sure that everything is the way we need it to be. It's the opposite. It's about us coming together to receive strength so that we can go out and be a witness to a world that needs Jesus Christ. So the church is all about preaching the gospel. I hope you believe that. I would say this, the church is also about moving believers, those that have received the gospel, about moving believers in Jesus Christ toward maturity and service or discipleship. Now that you're saved, what are you going to do for Christ? And the author here, and we believe the Bible is inspired by the Holy Spirit of God. The Spirit of God moved as men penned down. So we could say this, this is what God's desire is. I beseech you, or I beg of you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you do something. And what is that? You present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God. And then he says, which is your reasonable service. This is what is reasonably expected. You see, true fulfillment to the Christian comes when you're serving the Lord Jesus Christ. When you are doing what God has called you to do and gifted you to do, that's when true fulfillment as a believer comes. I see the world spiraling out of control. How many of you see the same thing I see? just spiraling out of control. The things that we're seeing today, the things that are happening, there's some of the things that I'm hearing, I, I just think to myself, I, I feel like this generation is this. If you can think of the most insane thing to think and do, that's what you need to say and everyone needs to agree with you. If you can think as a parent the most insane way to raise your children, that's acceptable. And listen to me, Christian, it's not acceptable. We're not, the Bible goes on to say, be not conformed to this world. Churches need to find a purpose. They need to find a purpose. If you were to visit, I don't even remember who it was I was talking to, um, but I was, well, I was speaking about churches in Europe. And, and if you were to, to do a study and go to, go to places in Europe today, England and, 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 and nations there, you would find what once was a great revival, a wave of revival. Now it is spiritually dead. 
the churches that are there, people come in and it's just religion. It's just get, get through the service and go out and live like the world. The buildings, some of the be- most beautiful buildings and town centers are no longer churches. Now they're, they're nightclubs and, and they're condos and they've turned them into businesses because they're beautiful buildings. They don't want to tear them down, but there's nobody there any longer worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ. Christians need to find their ministry. Churches need to find their purpose. And in doing that, then the believer needs to find their ministry. We are in a fight. And oh, listen to me, please get this. We are in a fight against Satan, against sin, and against self. There's a battle happening. And we cannot just sit by and allow this battle to take place and think that we're going to survive this battle by staying out of the battle. It's not time for the believer to just say, uh, there's a a battle, society's getting worse, and I, I think I'll just stay over here out of the situation. No, believer, we need to get in the middle of this battle and fight for the cause of Christ. I want to ask you this question. I'm, I, I hope, time permitting, I'm going to ask you three, four questions today. And I want, you to, I want you to write this down. And I want you to honestly answer this question. Does God's will matter to you? Does God's will matter to you? Does it matter? Because here he says, I beseech you. I beseech you, I beg of you. I'm pleading with you by the mercies of God that you do something. What is that? You present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God. There's a great request that's being made here. He says, I'm beseeching you by the mercies of God. We are not our own. The Bible says that we are bought with a price in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Way too many Christians believe that they have a say in what they're going to do with their life. Way too many of us believe that what we want to do matters more than what anyone else wants to do. Does God's will matter to you? Do you understand that you, specifically, you were bought with a price? You are important enough to God that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to pay your sin debt so that you can be reconciled back to him. He has a purpose and a plan for your life. Does it matter? The Bible says this, that we are bought with a price. He says, I want you to present your bodies a living living sacrifice. That sacrifice... That's an important word, I think, that we have to see in this passage of Scripture. Because when you give a sacrifice, you give everything. We, um, to, the, to, the, to the believer in this century, the, they, were, they would better understand maybe what a sacrifice is more today, more than we might today, because in those days, uh, you would bring a sacrifice. The customs of, that, of, of the Jewish religion was to, to bring a sacrifice, and the Old Testament's full of different sacrifices. But this was the sacrifice. You brought something, and you gave it to God. The whole thing. 
You didn't just bring a portion or what you wanted to bring. You would bring the entire animal, that entire sacrifice, and you would give it to God. And God then, with the priest, would decide how that sacrifice would be used. But your responsibility was to bring the sacrifice. You didn't bring that, 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 that sacrifice and say, you know what, Lord, I'll give you, I'll give you the, 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 the front half of this cow or bull or whatever it might be, because I think this, the back half would really benefit my family if we kept this. No, I'm going to give it to you, all of it. And this sacrifice is, is you give it all to him. You willingly die to yourself. You can't hold on to the something if you're giving it as a sacrifice. You, you, you give God what he wants, not what you want. If you're going to do God's will, God has to have all of you. Hear me, I'm afraid... Christianity has gotten so comfortable. I'm afraid that Christianity has gotten to the place where we have decided what we're going to give to God. And there's a reason we're not seeing the power of God fall on churches like it used to of yesteryear. There's a reason that we're not seeing miracles take place like we read of in the Bible and in times past. There's reasons why, why, why marriages can't stay together any longer. There's reasons why, why the home is in the way that it is. There's reasons why there's so much problems and there's so much discouragement and there's so many issues in the, in the church of Christ today. And the reason why is this. I believe we're holding too much back. We're willing to give God what we can, what we think we can afford, when God is saying, I want all of you, not just some of you. He's not interested in just a piece of you. He's interested in a sacrifice. Does God's will matter? Does God's will matter? If it does, then you can say this, God, you have all of me. You have every part of me. How, how can I be sure that God has all of me? You see, that, that, there's two words I want you to write down somewhere, please. And that is your devotion and your discipline. These two things keep us from having God's will. A lack of devotion and a lack of discipline. Devotion and discipline. And when I say devotion, I don't necessarily mean getting up and reading your Bible and praying, although that is part of devotion. But does he have your devotion? Does he have your care, your love? Does he have all of you? And does he have your discipline? Are you disciplining yourself? Listen to me, Christian. It isn't like I just wake up and, and, I, I, and I'm going to just serve God. No, there's things that you must do. You have to discipline your body. How many of you love to get up before the alarm clock rings? Not a couple of you. How many of you love to get up when the alarm clock rings? How many of you love to get up after three times of hitting the old snooze button after the alarm clock rings? How many of you just don't love to get up? That's me. I'll stay up till one o'clock in the morning, but get me up in the morning? Come on. 
Discipline says that I'm getting up when I'm supposed to get up. Discipline says I'm going to do what God has asked me to do. Many a times in life, there are things that we do we don't like to do. There's sometimes that God is going to call you to something and, 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 and ask you to do something, and we don't serve God based upon our feelings. We don't serve God based upon our emotion. We serve God based upon obedience. There's things I've told my kids to do. I don't think I've ever told my kids to make their bed and they say, great, I was looking forward to that. I want you to take the trash out. I want you to clean your room. I want you to do these things. Dad, you don't even have to ask anymore. This is our undying devotion to you. We are going to discipline ourselves to do these things. You are never going to have to ask us to do these things because we love doing these things. If your kids are doing that, then I want you to start preaching and teaching on parenting. Because I failed miserably then. You see, sometimes we think, well, if I feel like it, then I'll do it. A sacrifice is not, if I feel like it, a sacrifice is, here, this is all of me. You can have all of me. And it takes devotion and discipline. God's will must matter to us. It doesn't come. God's will, oh, listen to me, Christian, God's will isn't always easy. But it must consume us. Not just some of us, but all of us, all of you. And what happens when God's will matters to us? I want you to look with me, and I'm glad you asked that question, because in verse number two, the Bible says, and be not conformed to this world. Understand my heart when I say this, too many Christians are conformed to this world. You enjoy the things of this world way too much. If godliness was taken out of your life, some of us, our lives wouldn't change at all because we're so much like this world. We're entertained, we think, we behave, our actions. It's because the world has conformed us. And the Bible here says, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that what that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect and would you see this will of God you are not going to find the will of God by being conformed to this world this world will never show you Christ likeness and what God wants you to have the Christian can't find happiness and contentment in this world because in order to find that, you've got to conform to this world. And to find God's will, you have to be transformed. Something totally different from this world. Conformed, squeezed into this mold of the world. Oh, listen to me. Too often we're raising our children to conform to the, fit the world's mold. Do you understand me today? If there is a child of God, we don't look like this world. We don't think like this world. We don't behave like this world. There's something totally different different about a child of God in this world. There's something different. And we want to we fit in. Fitting in is being conformed, being squeezed into the world's mold. This is what the world desires for us to do. They're doing it to our children in the way that we're thinking. 
Oh, listen to me. That's what this, this critical race theory that we're seeing just jammed down through education now is a conforming to this world. Making our children think that you can love whoever you want to love and be whatever you want to be. No, there is a God in heaven that we're called to serve. We've got to teach ourselves in the generation coming up behind us and the ones that we're raising today that we are not to be conformed to this world, but to be transformed. A metamorphosis. How many of you remember in school? Some men have been that one-room schoolhouse. Others, we had our own classes in, 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 in rooms. But how many of you remember the caterpillar becoming the butterfly. How many of you remember that? How many of you like little ugly caterpillars? Anybody? How many of you like butterflies? I do. I mean, I liked them so much when I was a kid, I'd chase them with a net. You'd get them and then, you know, you, I'm not going to go there. You're going to think there's something wrong with me. I'd, I'd keep them and look at them and thank God for their beauty. Um, <clears throat> Some of you would take their wings off. That's bad. Chase the girls around with it. But, oh, listen, you look at a caterpillar and you think, this thing's ugly. And if it stays what it's the caterpillar, what's its purpose? But that word transformation is that same as that word metamorphosis. Become something different. But oh, listen to me. What's inside of that caterpillar is the butterfly. It's just needing to come out. And what's inside of every believer is the Spirit of God. And that Spirit of God is what transforms us and makes us something different when we let Him have control of our life. When you are transformed, Jesus Christ comes out of you. People see Jesus in everything you do. The will of God then is happening in our life when we are transformed because when we're transformed, the Bible says, we think differently. We don't behave like we behave in our flesh. We behave in the spirit that dwells inside of us. And so often, if we're not careful, yes, the moment you're saved, the spirit of God lives inside of you, but he stays there never to have control of your life. And too many times Christians live this life all of their life saved. Yes, you've got heaven as your home, but you live this life conformed to this world, never letting Christ take control. We need to teach our children that God has a purpose for their life, that this world is not going to offer them anything that's lasting, that the greatest thing they can do with their life is to trust Christ as their Savior. And then now that they're saved, the greatest thing they can do is let Jesus Christ come out of them and show the world what light is. Show the world what pleasing to the Lord is. Show the Lord what acceptable, uh, the world what acceptable behavior is. When you are transformed, I want you to look with me in verse number three. For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think. Three times in this verse, that word think is there. 
but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. You see, when you are transformed, your thinking changes. Your thinking changes. You see, not with human rationality or intellect, but with the mind of Jesus Christ. All of us can think like humans think. You're born human. But when you are born again, the spirit of God dwells inside of you. And it's him now that we ought to let transform or take over our life and change us into something. A child of God. I want to ask you this question because I need to hurry. Number one, does, does God's will matter to you? Does his will, and, and, and I want to be more specific, does his will for your life matter to you? Number two, would you write this down? Does your membership matter? What you belong to? How many of you are a member of something? Costco? How many of you like to get your cheap gas when it's $3.09? It's $1.09 at Costco. Membership. I, I remember when I was a kid, my dad had a membership to BJ's. I didn't even know that BJ's were still around, this wholesale club. It, this was like before Costco, before Sam's. There, there was actually, we were driving in Michigan not long ago, and there was a BJ's up in Michigan. I couldn't believe it. I remember as a kid, we would go to this, 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 this big warehouse, and this is back before they were popular um, like they are now, but you'd go there and, and I mean, you'd, you'd buy cereal like in a box like this. I mean, you're walking out with a six months worth of cereal. I remember we, my brother and I collected baseball cards and I remember they had boxes of every other place sold it by the pack. You got a box of baseball cards from BJ's. I remember we'd save our money and we'd ask her dad, when are we going to BJ's? We want to buy this box of baseball cards. Buying it in this bulk with this membership. And if you go into that store and you don't show them your card, guess what? You don't get let in. It was like prestigious. Like I, I'm Costco, Sam's. You go into some places that have memberships, it means something. I want you to see, look with me in verse number four and five. We are, for as we have many members in one body and all our members have not the same office. So we being many are one body in Christ and everyone members one of another. Would you ask yourself this question today? Does membership matter to you? The Bible here says we're one body. The church is an organism with Jesus Christ as the head. We are a body. We're not separate individuals deciding what we want to do with our life. But no, we are placed in the body of Christ where Jesus Christ is the head. You can't find your ministry apart from the body of Christ. You can't find your purpose, you can't find God's will apart from this membership, this, this body of Christ. To say that you don't need the church and I don't need other Christians and I'm going to live my life by myself and serve the Lord alone, that's a very prideful statement. 
We need each other because we are the body of Christ. You know, listen, this is the truth. I can't get along without you. And you can't get along without me. We are one body. We work together doing what the head tells us to do. Could you imagine getting up this morning and every body part deciding what it wants to do? I know some of you get up and it feels that way. But what makes, when you get out of bed, what makes your legs swing off the bed onto the ground? What makes you pick up that, that toothbrush uh, and brush your teeth? What makes you pick up that comb and brush your hair? What makes you pick up that soap and shower your body? What makes you do all those things? What makes you drink that coffee and use that hand? Could you imagine if this hand wanted to drink coffee and this hand wanted to brush your teeth and this leg wanted to go get ice cream and this leg wanted to stay in bed? You'd be a mess. But you've got a head, a brain. It is telling your body to work in unison so that as you're working, it's accomplishing something. It's all working in unison to do what the head tells us to do. And oh, listen to me. Religion has ruined the biblical principle of the church. Listen to me, none of us like organized religion because that's man-made. But the church, the true church is not made up by man. It's from God. It's Jesus. Jesus said, upon this rock will I build my church. He didn't say, on this rock will I build religion. He said, upon this rock will I build my church. The church is established by Jesus Christ. And when you go against the church, you're going against Jesus Christ. Religion has ruined this. I talk to people often. They'll say, you know what? I, I grew up in organized religion, and I don't want that anymore. And I tell them this. I didn't grow up in organized religion, and I don't want it either. I want the body of Christ. I want to I be a part of what Christ is the head of. Organized religion is not the same as the church because organized religion is not the body of Christ. The church is the body of Christ. How's your membership? And I need to hurry. Look with me in verse number three. I'm sorry, verse number six. Number three, point number three, verse number six. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. Or ministry, let us wait on the ministering. Or he that teacheth on teaching. Or he that exhorteth on exhortation. He that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence. He that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. Here we find something very interesting. And here is the gifts that God gives to the church. And he gives these gifts so that you can work or behave or perform in the church. Every single one of us have been given something. I will say this to my children. I you live by this principle. I don't believe that God gives you money to spend. He gives you money to steward. That means this, you take what he's given you and you steward that money. You're not wasteful with it. You see people that maybe didn't have something growing up when they were younger and now they have some kind of means and they, they ruin everything, they blow it. 
I'm not endorsing the playing the lottery, but you've seen people that have won and they have nothing. When, when I was living in Philadelphia, there was a bas- basketball player by the name of Allen Iverson. How many of you know who Allen Iverson is? Allen Iverson, one of, the, one of the greatest basketball players. And this is what he would do. He came from a life, didn't have much of anything. And what he would do is he would go, when they would travel, he wouldn't bring a suitcase with him. They'd go to a city and he'd just buy his clothes there in that city that he was playing. And when he was finished wearing them, he'd just throw them away. Every day he was buying a new set of clothes. Mike Tyson, one of the greatest boxers in the world, in history, they say had made tens of millions of dollars. I I think, matter of fact, if I'm not mistaken, $300 million he made in his lifetime. And when it was all said and done, he was $30 million in debt. Why? Because they didn't steward their money. Spending it is easy stewarding it. I've, I've taught every one of my kids, as soon as you're working, I want you to think about the future. You're going to retire one day. You say, well, the Lord's coming back. Well, then, then you won't need it anyways. But plan, prepare. At 17, my son was putting money away. He joined the military. He's putting money away for his retirement. He's stewarding it. So often our kids get money and we say, great, we've got money. We're going to spend it. Kid makes $100 and he spends $105. That's why America's in the debt they're in because we think we're just spending. No, steward what you have. Steward the gifts that God has given you as well. I want you to ask you this question, number three, how is your stewardship? How is your stewardship? With what God has given you, how is your stewardship? Seven basic Christian gifts we find here in this passage of Scripture. God can use you because he gifts you. It's called spiritual gifts. Listen to me. If you're sitting here saying, I just don't know what I can do for God. I I don't think I'm very special. I don't think I have very much. Listen to me. It's not dependent upon you. Your gift is dependent upon God. And when you got saved, he's given you a spiritual gift. And you can do something for God because it's him empowering you. It's him gifting you, him empowering you to do something for God. What are you doing with your gift? There's seven gifts here. Prophecy, the gift to speak for God. God gives this gift. The gift of ministry, this gift is service, just general working. It's just things I thought of today as I was walking in. There was someone that was standing in the parking lot. He had a, had a, a vest on. He was doing the, the gift of ministry. You say, you don't have to have a gift to be a, 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 a parking lot attendant. Yes, you do. Well, he's not a a teacher. You see, the greatest thing about the gifts, they're not one more important than the other. These seven gifts are gifts the Lord gives so that his church can accomplish what he wants it to accomplish. And he gifts the individual members of that church so that his will is accomplished. And every one of them are needed. There's someone working at the PA booth today. Someone working on cameras today. There's people that are greeting people today. They're doing the work of ministry. Why are they doing that? Because God's gifted you with something. With God's gift, do what he's called you to do. 
There's a gift of teaching. There's ones that are teaching right now and will teach the next service. They're, they're teaching. They, they use that gift of teaching, exhortation, encouraging people. There's some of you that have the gift of exhortation. You're not using it. There's some of you today that you could be encouraging people by being involved in the music ministry and you're not using that gift. How is your stewardship? There's visiting people, there's soul winning, there's counseling, there's hospital visits. There's so much that you can do to exhort people, encourage people. Listen to me, these gifts are not just for the paid staff. These are gifts that God gives to every member. The gift of giving, this, this church is a testimony that the gift of giving that many of you, there are some, I had some one time, someone say to me several years ago, Pastor, we, we just don't like when you announce that someone gave a gift and something can be done. And I said, why? Because we feel bad because we can't give. I said, listen, if God hasn't given you the means, I believe that God has everyone, everyone is supposed to give what God has told you to give. Your tithes and offerings. But there are some that God has gifted to give. And those that God didn't gift that can give more and he's given, don't be embarrassed and upset because somebody else can. That's like saying, well, someone can teach and I can't, so I don't want you talking about teachers. Listen, you will fit in one of these seven areas, whatever that area is. Don't look at another one and see that you're not sufficient or you're not enough or you're second class because you aren't what someone else is. You are exactly what God wants you to be. How is your stewardship? Do what God has gifted you to do and stop trying to be what God hasn't gifted you to do, but just concentrate on doing what he's called you to do. There's a gift of ruling. That's organization, leadership, committee, staff. They're, 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 have you ever met anybody that's just as organized and you've met somebody else and they're not? You, you, you meet somebody and they pull out their, you know, their phone and they've, they've got their whole year planned out. Yep, I can schedule you in at one o'clock next Tuesday. And somebody else, you're just like, I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing tomorrow. You get into someone's car and it, it's like, it's a brand new car. No, it's got 50,000 miles on it. Man, you keep this thing clean. You get into somebody else's car and you're like, do you sleep in this car? I like to go wherever I have. I like to go in my closet in the dark. I want to pull something out. I, I, want, to, I want to know this is where this is. I, want to, I don't want to pull two different shoes out. I, I like them to be together. Some people, you go in their closet, hopefully you can find two matching shoes. I came down, my daughter came down, Chloe came down the other day. I don't know why I'm telling you this, but she came the other day, we were getting ready to go out, and she had two different color socks on, like one white and one like, and I said to her, I said, babe, is that like the new thing that 10-year-olds do? And she's like, no, dad, I can't find my socks. <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking it's like some cool thing, and she's like, no, no, I just can't find my socks. Mom does something with them. Oh, <laughs> it's mom's fault. <laughs> I'll tell her you said that. The, the problem is she's just not organized. You go to her room and everything, everything's under her bed. Clean your room, just shove it under that bed. But some, some are greatly organized. Listen to me, that's all needed in the church. Mercy. We need people with mercy. Someone that's got a certain gift, maybe of prophecy or a certain gift of ruling, they might lack the gift of mercy. Some of us lack that gift. 
Mercy is just coming next to someone and not always telling them what you want them to hear. It's just helping them through their problem. Gift of mercy. And all of these are needed and necessary in the church. Church, I, I need to be through at this point. But could you imagine what church would be if all of us found out what our gift was? And it mattered to us that we were gonna serve God. And we became good stewards of that gift. And we did with what God desired for us to do. I believe this, that church ought to be the most special place on this side of heaven. It's because it ought to be the place that the body of Christ comes together and in unison is being obedient to the head and God's will is being done. Could you imagine a better place than a place where God's will is being done? I don't know where that would be. But every one of you are members, members of this body, the body of Christ. Does God's will matter? Does your membership matter? And does stewardship matter? And what will you do with those three things today? Can we bow in prayer? Father, we need you to help us. We need you to work. This is your church. This is your body. These are your gifts. And we want to be a, a sacrifice. So I pray today, Lord, that our desire would be to lay at your feet ourselves as a sacrifice, doing our reasonable service. Would you stand with me, please? <clears throat> would you do this? Because I believe, I believe this message is, is vitally important to the health of the church, to the future of this church, to the present of this church. Because I believe that we have people that God's gifted with one of these seven gifts and you're not using it. You're not using it. Church is not just an hour and 15 minutes on a Sunday morning. That's religion. You are a part of the body of Christ. There's nothing better than that. Your citizenship is in heaven because you're a part of the body of Christ on this earth. You realize if you don't have, if you're not part of the body on this earth, you don't have citizenship in heaven. You become part of the body and you get heaven because of Jesus Christ. He gives you both. Aren't you glad you don't have to wait to go to heaven to experience heaven? Oh, it's, I, I know. Heaven is going to be greater than we can ever think. But so is God's people and so is his body and so is his church. And some of you aren't experiencing it because you're not 
stewarding what God's given you. Whether it's ministry or teaching or prophecy or ruling or mercy, whatever it is, you have that gift. I want to ask you right now, would you ask yourself these questions? Does God's will matter? If you say yes, then ask yourself, how is my membership? And how is my stewardship? I don't want to belong the service, belabor the service, but I do want us to make a commitment. If you do not know Christ as your savior, the commitment you need to make today is I'm gonna trust Christ as my savior. He came to this earth, he died on the cross, he shed his blood so that you could be a part of this body so that you can have heaven as your home. If you don't know Christ as your savior, the first thing you must do is become a child of God so that you can be a part of the body of Christ that I spoke of today. I wonder if there's one here today that you need to trust Christ as your savior. And you would say this, what am I doing with God's will? The first thing I need to do is, is do his will. God said, I'm, he's not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. Have you repented and turned to Christ? If you confessed your sins and received that free gift of salvation of Jesus Christ, if you've not done that, the first step you must take is salvation today. I wonder if there's one here today that you would just simply say this during this invitation time, I need to trust Christ as my savior. The first decision I must make today is to be saved. Today, I want to trust Christ as my savior. I wonder if there's one like that, you just slip your hand up. I'm not gonna embarrass you, I just wanna pray with you. How many of you would say, today, I wanna trust Christ as my savior. Is there one? Is there one? Church? How many of you would say this? There's one of those questions that you asked today that I honestly, sincerely need to answer. Does God's will matter? What am I doing with my stewardship and how am I doing with my membership? And you say, there's some question, one, two, or three, who, who knows? Just you and the Lord. But you would say this, today I honestly need to answer one of those questions. The Spirit of God is convicting me and I need to get it right in one of those areas of my life. I want you to pray for me. Is there someone like that? I just want you to raise your hand nice and high. Come on, church. Father, you see these hands. Lord, I pray that you would give us wisdom. Our mind needs to change. Our thinking needs to change and it can only change by being transformed. And that only comes when you have control, complete control. Jesus coming out of us, us being led by the spirit of God, not conforming to the things of this world. So do a work I pray in your church so that you receive glory and honor so that you receive praise. And we pray this in Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. Lord bless you. You are dismissed. Have a wonderful afternoon.